The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. When a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but that as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the gospel of our Lord. If God's word, the proclamation and preaching of it, are not powerful and sufficient, then we can all just go home now. You fathers are off the hook. You do not have to rule your household in love, sacrifice, and godly wisdom. You wives do not have to submit to your husbands, and mothers do not have to love your children and nurture them in body and soul. You children... Do not have to love your parents or, let alone, go to confirmation class. If God's word is not powerful, then we can all just shut our ears and stop listening. However, if it is powerful, then we must listen. All who have ears, let them hear, the Lord says. He says this because his word is powerful. It is powerful because it is the word sent from God himself. His majestic work of creation was accomplished by the simple speaking of his word. He is all-powerful, and therefore, his word is also all-powerful. It does not return to him void, but accomplishes that which he purposes, as Isaiah says. He tells us the purpose of his word very clearly. It is that you would know his Son, Jesus Christ, and believe in him. The Old Testament testifies to the separation of God and man and foretells Christ in his incarnation. The New Testament declares the events and the teachings of the crucified Jesus and his apostles. The Lord had these things recorded, written down by the apostles, the the prophets, and the saints of our faith for our faith that we may be able to boldly confess the promises, power, and salvation of God, simply to believe in Jesus and confess his name and his word. 
We can only confess these things and believe these things because with the word of God comes his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit called us by the hearing of the gospel by which he enlightened us with his gifts. He makes the church, he makes you holy, set aside, and keeps you in it by his word. The contents, its stories, the letters, warnings, promises are all exactly what he uses to keep us, the church, faithful here in this room and out of this room in the world. Therefore, it is sufficient for everything. It is sufficient for faith, for all of life. In this faith, which our churches are gifted by the Holy Spirit and also empowered by him to boldly confess, we cling to the scripture's teachings. It's doctrines. We do this because they are sent from our loving Father in heaven to guide and to keep us in his Son. For this reason, the Holy Spirit inspired these words, and therefore they're sufficient for faith. Paul speaks in our epistle how he was once pulled up into the heavens, the the conversation and inner counsel between the persons of the Holy Trinity, and he witnessed and heard great and marvelous majestic things that he cannot speak of. But there are things that are given to him and revealed to him by God, which he does speak of. He writes them clearly for our faith. We learn clearly throughout the Old Testament and the Gospels that Lord accounts, the Lord accounts man righteous by his faith. Lest anyone misunderstand justification or the persons of Jesus, St. Paul writes clearly that man is saved by grace through faith and that Christ is a new Adam and a sacrifice made once for all on the cross. He writes in the stead of Christ as an ambassador and apostle sent from Jesus himself. So when he writes of things concerning faith and also life, he writes them with the authority and power of the Lord. The words he records records are inspired and true. They are powerful because they are given to him by the Lord in order to deliver to man just like the prophets of old, instruction, faith, and grace. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Jesus reveals to us this same truth in our parable and his explanation of it. So though I am to most considered a city boy from St. Louis, uh, though I would contest that I'm actually from the county and not the city, but to most that's a rather silly distinction. Um, I'm sure it's obvious then, but I'll confess anyway, I I don't really know a whole lot about farming. I'm sure I know nowhere near as much as some of you do here. I do not know what it's like to sow seed in the field and pray for the Lord to bless it. But I am growing in knowledge to experience of what it's like to sow the seed of God's word and pray for the Lord to bless the harvest of his saints. The Lord teaches that the seed in the parable of the sower It's his word. It is only when the seed falls on good soil and it grows, it is preserved. God's word then is a gift. Faith is a gift. There's nothing the soil could do. It can only do that which is inherent to it. Be fruitless. Something must be put in it to sprout vegetation and fruit to give it life. The seed of God's word enters into your heart and mind through your ears. His powerful, all-sufficient word enters into you and enlivens faith. He wills for those who have been given a good heart of good soil 
to hear and see that he is good. He is good and wills that all would believe and come to him. However, as we learn and we see and we experience, not all do. Upon hearing, some have the words in their hearts robbed like a thief in the night by the devil. Some believe for a short while, but are trampled by pain and suffering. Others reject the way of the Lord altogether and go their own way, then are choked by the cares, pleasures, and riches of this life. Our Lord tells us that his word is powerful, but it's obviously under attack at all times. The saints who have gone before us are part of the church triumphant, but those who are here on earth, those in this building right now, are the church militant, the fighters. We are attacked by words and voices that are not the Lord's. So this gift of faith is attacked by those unholy words sent from the devil or our own flesh. And we could be tempted to throw it all away and go our own way. The fact the Lord teaches us that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways is not a problem on his end, but ours. The only thing powerful enough then to keep us in the narrow way is his word and the visible word of his sacraments. The cares, riches, and pleasures he warns about mainly are experienced outside the church service. Therefore, we cannot live as though the only thing that matters to God and the only thing the gospel concerns itself with is what happens here in this room for an hour on Sunday. Rather, faith permeates all facets of life. The power of the gospel radiates into all stations of a Christian's life. We are not only Christians here on Sunday, but when we are at work or at home or stuck in traffic or beside or at the bedside of a dying loved one. The Lord's gospel concerns itself and matters to all of life to keep us in the faith as we journey through this life. God's word is not only all sufficient for faith, but for everything we encounter and endure on this journey of life, faithful to him unto death. So we're all acquainted with sufferings in this life. This journey of life is marked with suffering, especially as a Christian. We have saints of old who also suffered and endured by God's grace. Take all the way back in Genesis, if you recall, Joseph as an example. Betrayed by his own brothers and abandoned by them, he suffered physical and spiritual harm and suffering. However, he did not experience this as a man of this world, but as a man of God. He believes in God who sends sufferings and sustains us through it and promises it that it is and will be for our good. Joseph confesses this to his brothers who once betrayed him, this truth. He says, what man intends for evil, God uses for good. Much later, Paul would write something so familiar for our benefit. He says, all things work for good for those who love God. We who are baptized into his name, cling to his word and his promise that he is with us through all things. Jesus warns of suffering to come. We are, after all, one with him and united to him in our baptism. He says to not be surprised when sufferings come. I mean, as he journeyed on earth, listening and doing his father's word and will, the world simply persecuted him for it. So we should not be surprised 
since we're united to him, when the world does these things to us too. Nor should we worry about them. Worry impacts our faith in a great way. It is to doubt our Lord's providential care. But the Lord has shown us through his word, history, and our own lives that he cares for each one of us in body and soul as a loving father. He says, for all who are weary and heavy laden to come to him for rest. His grace is sufficient and his word is sufficient for faith and for life. So we who have ears do hear his word. We must then also be doers of it. Because God is powerful and therefore his word is powerful, we cannot all just go home now. Rather, we must continue to journey in this world as faithful Christians, recognizing the spiritual warfare that is occurring around us. We must hear our Lord's word to grant us faith and to teach us how to live a faithful life in the narrow way. Therefore, our Lord teaches Husbands and fathers must be faithful and sacrificial heads of their families and households, ruling his household in fear of the Lord and wisdom, teaching them the Bible and praying for his household like Job prayed for his family, sacrificing all he is for them, just as Christ did for his bride on the cross. When a father or husband is not sure how to rule in wisdom, he must pray to his head, our Lord Jesus, for wisdom. As St. James teaches, all who do not have wisdom should pray for it, and the Lord will graciously grant it. Wives and mothers then cannot focus on themselves chiefly, but on helping their husbands and loving their children, caring and keeping and loving them, learning from the examples in the faith, such as Mary, the mother of our Lord, or Sarah, Together, parents are given children to raise in the faith, which according to Hebrews 13, they must give an account. And this, this is a gift from God that he entrusted children to fathers and mothers for a short while to teach them the Bible at home and to raise them to honor you and therefore learn how to honor the Lord. You should give them knowledge and understanding of Christ and his wisdom and his word and some understanding of this world so that you can train them up in the faithful way in which they should go. The Lord tells us in order to do this, parents must make their marriage first, then their households, one grounded and built and centered upon the word of God. Jesus teaches us that those who build their house on things, not the Bible, will be like a house when the storm of the tempter or the world or our own flesh wages war against it, it will not stand. And most of the time, this is not an all-at-one experience. It happens slowly over time with little things here and there. Picture and think of a beach house whose stilts or pillars are not properly grounded on a hard surface, on the rock, but on sand. Most likely, it will not all collapse at once from the onset. It will take a little storm here or there. The rising tide, the lowering tide. Slowly, those things wash away the foundation. And when the wind comes, the cares, riches, sufferings, and pleasure of this world comes, then it will collapse. We must there be on guard and intentional to have our households, both at home and here at church, be one founded on the word of God. 
That way, whenever the words and voices that are not the Lord's whip around the corner, like, like we experience coming in today, like a strong gust of wind, the household of our lives and faith are secure in him. So we have not to worry or panic about whatever it may be, whatever may be on your conscience, sufferings, true plagues, poverty, or warfare, or tomorrow, or the next day, or whatever it may be that you're worrying about. We have built our houses and lives on God's word. His word is sufficient to keep us in the faith. And he is a loving father who cares and keeps for us, just as the ravens in the field. His word is sufficient because it delivers us simply himself, our Lord and Savior Jesus. And when we have him, we have everything necessary and more. Our cups overflow with his grace and his mercy. And therefore we trust him and his promise of salvation. And also his promise to return to judge the lives and households of each one of us. And as for us in his word and therefore in him, we will rejoice at his coming. Our hope will be ended by sight, the sight of his face. And we will sing of his all-sufficient grace as we enter into our Father's house to rest eternally in him with all the saints. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.